Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this year's program, glad to have you with me. Uh, We have got to talk about what is being said in private. I'm happy to take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. But we got to talk about this. It is no easy thing, if if I'm really honest with you about it, 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 it's actually no easy thing to oftentimes say things publicly that you think privately. It's harder and harder in this country. It's one thing I try very hard to do is to never tell you something in public I don't actually believe and to never say privately things that differ from what I say publicly. I think even though you may disagree with me, like, for example, on the election being stolen. I know many of you think the election was stolen in 2020, and I don't. And I'm willing to tell you what I actually believe and what I think many people don't understand, don't believe, and won't believe, though it's true, is that very many of the people who publicly tell you the election was stolen privately don't believe it. I know plenty of those people. Maybe they're telling me what I want to hear. But if so, that raises questions. When you get behind closed doors and they tell you the election wasn't stolen, but in public they're telling you it is, well, are they telling me what I want to hear or are they telling you what you want to hear? This is happening on both sides. It's not a partisan phenomenon. Both political parties do this. For example, Uh, A lot of Republicans for years have declared themselves pro-life, and you see with the end of the Roe decision by the Dobbs case, a lot of them publicly are are pretty pro-choice abortionists. They would have never had you believe it because they wanted your vote. They wanted your vote. And they just lied to you. They told you what they thought you wanted to hear. And that, to some degree, is the greatest problem here. And honestly, it's a problem not just within politics generally, but in my industry, in in talk radio, conservative talk radio, on television as well. A lot of the people who tell you the things you want to hear on TV and radio, they're the ones who, behind the scenes, don't really believe it. But they're trying to be entertaining. They're trying to placate you. They're trying to headpat you. They want you as a listener or a viewer. They want your ratings. So they will, in public, tell you something that in private they don't really believe or they don't believe it as forcefully as they convey on television. I would be very weary of listening to any voice who all the time tells you exactly what you want to hear. I, I know because we have an open phone line policy here and many of you email me that uh, oftentimes I disagree with you on stuff and I appreciate you sticking with me. And that's kind of the fear for a lot of people. They don't want to lose the audience. In 2016, I kind of parted ways with a lot of you by not supporting Trump. And you knew my heart enough on issues and understood how I saw the world that you didn't abandon me. I think I, I literally, I'm not making this up, but it's not to toot my own horn. It's to make a larger point here. I do think I'm the only person who was a local radio show host in 2016 on a conservative station who did not back Donald Trump, who still has a job. 
every single person I can think of who was in my position in 2016 and did what I did is no longer in radio. My ratings went up. Because my job here is not to tell you what you think. My job here is not to affirm your views. My job here is to try to explain to you what's going on in the world. I'll tell you what I think about it, but I at least want to explain it. And I don't always get it right. And I personally believe I've got an obligation to tell you when I've gotten something wrong. And a lot of people won't do that either. They just move on as if it never happened. There are sometimes people email me angrily to tell me I'm wrong. Why won't I admit it? And I don't think I'm wrong. But there are times I get things wrong. Like, for example, the other day, I had to tell you, I, I, I misassessed the impact of the Dobbs case on firing up Democrats. I still think Republicans take the House. I still think they have a good shot at taking the Senate. But I did not appreciate the intensity to which it would fire up Democrats at the time. This happens in politics a lot. A good friend of mine was sitting with a prominent Georgia Republican in Washington, D.C. several years ago. And this prominent Republican from Georgia who was in Washington, D.C., had been elected to Washington, D.C., was maligning pro-lifers, laughing at them, ridiculing them, calling them names, stereotyping them. And my friend and his wife are ardent pro-life activists. The friend of mine and his wife had to admonish this elected Republican in Congress that they were pro-lifers themselves, and they agreed with the people this person was picking on. And he excused himself and left. I've heard this for years. Uh, Republicans who go to the Capitol Hill Club and they uh, cast dispersions on their very base. The Hicks, the Rubes, the Rednecks, they don't like them. They pick on them. They laugh at them. Democrats do the exact same thing on their side. Democrats do it as well. I'm less familiar with them, but I one time had a pro-lifer tell me she would far prefer to go to Nancy Pelosi or at the time Barbara Boxer and have a pleasant conversation with them because she knew going in that they weren't going to agree with her at all on the issue of abortion, but they might be able to find some common ground on helping kids. She said all the Republicans would do would pat her on the head and tell her how kind she was and please make sure her her supporters go out and vote for the GOP. Get this all the time, hear it all the time. It's, it's a pretty common phenomenon. I bring this up because right now one of the bigger issues is what's happening on the Democratic side. In public, the Democrats are still telling everyone that they are rocking and rolling. The Democrats are still telling everyone that they're going to come out on top. The Democrats are still telling everyone that they are going to be able to save the House and possibly make gains in the United States Senate. That's what they're saying what they want you to believe. Here's the problem. This is actually a pretty significant problem for the Democrats. Privately, word is beginning to leak out from Capitol Hill that they know this is not true. Now, let me give you some perspective here. Uh, Of the top House Democrats, 
a significant portion of their staff have already taken jobs in the private sector this year. When Republicans in 2006 were losing the House of Representatives, and they all said they could mitigate it, they could maintain it, they could hold on to the House, everybody knew they were going to get wiped out in 2006. They were publicly saying what Nancy Pelosi said now, that not only we're going to hold it, we might pick up seats. Everybody privately knew they weren't. In 2006, half of the senior leadership's uh, major staffers had already left before the election even happened. By Labor Day, half of the top staff for these Republican leaders were already gone to new jobs in the private sector. That was the big red flag. Look, I've said all along, Anthony Fauci declaring he's retiring at the end of the year. Anthony Fauci knows Republicans are taking back the House and maybe the Senate. He does not want to have to deal with Rand Paul as chairman of a committee. He doesn't want to have to deal with Jim Jordan as chairman of a committee. He does not want to have to deal with Republican chairs of Republican committees with subpoena power to call him back constantly as a federal employee to demand answers from him. He doesn't want to have to deal with it, and so he's quitting at the end of the year before Republicans take back control. Fauci resigning at the end of the year is a big sign that the GOP is going to do well. Don't pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. But behind closed doors, you can kind of pay attention to what they're saying. Behind closed doors, Nancy Pelosi does not believe the Democrats are holding on to the House of Representatives. If she did, she would not be saying that this is her last time as Speaker. Nancy Pelosi, after being the the Speaker of the House of Representatives, she does not want to be a backbencher member of Congress from California. You don't go from being third in line to the presidency to the back seat of Congress. You don't do it. She doesn't want to do it. I suspect what's going to happen here, and Charlie maybe flagged this one for the I told you so file for later. I suspect what's going to happen is the Democrats get wiped out from the House. And within the next year, Nancy Pelosi resigns from Congress. No reason to stay on the back bench. She can't do it now. If she were to resi- retire now, that would shape the narrative of, oh my gosh, doom is coming. So she's hanging on. She's doing her part. Good for her. The leader of her party. She's going to stay on the ship until it's sunk. And then swim out. In the Senate, behind closed doors yesterday, Chuck Schumer told his Senate colleagues the Democrats are toast in the House of Representatives. He told his Senate Democratic colleagues they only have a 60% chance of holding the Senate. The public polling suggests the Democrats have an 80% chance of holding the Senate. Schumer puts it at a 60% chance. I think it's probably 50-50. He's telling Democratic donors, he's signaling to them, stop putting money in Iowa. Progressive activists are convinced they're going to beat Chuck Grassley. They are convinced they can beat him in that race. And they're pouring money in for the Democratic challenger to Chuck Grassley in Iowa. And every dollar wasted there is a dollar not spent to save Warnock in Georgia or to save Mark Kelly in Arizona or to fight for Fetterman in Pennsylvania. This is the problem with the Democrats, frankly, when it comes to uh, the guy challenging Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. Democrats are pouring money into his race. He's one of the top recipients of progressive cash in the country. He literally has no shot at winning. If Jesus Christ ran against Marjorie Taylor Greene as a Democrat in her district, he would lose. Why? Because the district is designed for Marjorie Taylor to be able to win, even in the worst political conditions. 
The Democrats can't win it. The progressive donors don't know. They don't care. They're wasting their money there, which is good. He's kind of a heat sink for crazy. They pour their money in there. They're not pouring their money into swing districts. This happens all the time on both sides. Stacey Abrams in Georgia is another example of this. 84% of Stacey Abrams' money comes from outside Georgia. This is actually a real problem for a situation like hers because she's running statewide in Georgia, and every dollar that goes to Stacey Abrams in Georgia is a dollar that not only doesn't go to another candidate, but also is a dollar not backed by a voter. Over 80% of Brian Kemp's money comes from inside the state of Georgia. 80% of the dollars that Brian Kemp gets, in other words, are tied to an actual voter who can vote. Stacey Abrams' money, 80% of hers, is coming from people outside the state who can't vote in the state of Georgia. It shows a fundamental weakness. And at this point, the money's almost saturated. So many people ask me in Georgia, where, where I am broadcasting from, well, why isn't Kemp responding to all of Abrams' negative texts? The answer is simple. He doesn't have to. They're at 100% name ID. He's already beating her in the polling. He's got high favorables, so much so even in her own polling, she won't mention his name on the campaign trail. Stacey Abrams could come out tomorrow with undercover video showing Brian Kemp sacrificing, literally sacrificing children on an altar to Satan himself, and he'd probably pick up ground in midtown Atlanta without losing anybody else. That's how polarizing she is. This is happening around the country. And behind the scenes, in the whispered corridors of Washington, D.C., Chuck Schumer is telling people the Democrats have lost the House and may still lose the Senate. And Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer in the House and Jim Clyburn in the House, their senior staff are already applying for or taking jobs in the private sector. They know the wind has shifted against them as much as the media says otherwise, as much as they produce polling to show otherwise, as much as they publicly say otherwise. What they do and say in private is different. Now again... I'm sympathetic to it because when I tell you guys some things I believe to be true that you disagree with, and I know you disagree with me, get eaten alive, get roasted alive, have people go, I'm never listening to you again. They call the program directors of the station to the advertisers. They complain. They want to boycott. Uh, sometimes I wonder why bother telling people what I think is actually true as opposed to what they want to hear. Problem is for the Democrats, the Democrats are doing this right now, telling people what they want to hear, not what is true. And so you have all these Democratic activists encouraged, emboldened, and thinking they've been spared. The GOP is lost. The Democrats will come out on top. They might keep the Senate by the skin of their teeth. They will not keep the House. That's the truth. It's just not what they're saying publicly. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. I want to go to Lewis. You're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Um, you know, that Marcher's Vineyard is not too far away from the island called Nantucket. Now, uh, Nantucket uh, is about a two-and-a-half-hour ferry ride out there. you got to line up about 5.30 a.m. to back the trucks in on the ferry to go out there. And about five years ago, when I was, it was about $550 then to take one trailer trailer one way and $550 back. And you had to line up at a certain time to get back over to the island. Now, it's a little shorter over there at Martha's Vineyard, but no one drives to Martha's Vineyard. You either get on a ferry or you fly in. 
And with what Ron DeSantis did was no small thing. It was a very good thing. And people don't understand the expense. I have a paper cup in my cabinet where I got a, a chicken basket. was the only thing I could find. $35 for that little bitty meal. And um, it's just really, really expensive. And so he's exposing what the expense is of going out to these places. Yeah, you know, he's doing a lot in that regard because so it's only 50 people. Uh, the media is trying to run stories from a couple of these people saying they were duped, but most of them acknowledged that they were given the choice and they wanted to go. And he's exposing the hypocrisy of so many people on the left who say that they are that they want to be okay with this issue. They support uh, immigration. They support what Joe Biden is doing. They're they're okay with the border being as porous as it is because they don't have to deal with the consequences of it. And what this is showing is that when they have to deal with the consequences of it, they don't like it any more than the people of Texas or Florida like it. And in fact, you're wondering, how are these illegal aliens getting to Florida? It's not touching Mexico. It's because the Biden administration, did you catch that in, in the story earlier from the New York Post? The Biden administration had been dropping people off in Florida. So the Biden administration's doing it to the Floridians. So now the Floridians are doing it to the Yankees. And they're now upset about it. Maybe this will force some change in the policies of the border. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, always happy to have you. Now, let me see here. Can I squeeze in another phone call here? Yes, I think I can. Ron, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you? I'm good, Eric. I've been thinking about this for a long time, and it, it makes sense to make an issue with the fentanyl that's being brought into the country. Mm -hmm. I think we should have a daily news conference with the Department of Homeland Security, the Surgeon General, the Attorney General, talking about what we're doing to stop it and, and listing how many people per day are dying from fentanyl overdoses and maybe even how many hospitalizations and how many people are saved by Narcan every day. I'd like Look, to see that. I, I I don't blame you. Um, we should. This is a growing problem. It is actually a real crisis, I think, in the country that is really getting short shrift from the administration. Uh, something's got to give in this regard because they're totally ignoring these situations. Um, deeply frustrating as well in the situation, given that uh, we know it's coming over from Mexico, and there are growing numbers of reports that it's actually coming in from China, and this administration has turned a complete blind eye towards all of it uh, and is not really cracking down. You want to stop the fentanyl crisis in the country, you need to actually secure the border and crack down there. Uh, you Let me tell you, Ron, um, I had, who was it? Um, 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 um. I think it was Chip Roy or, no, it was Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was on the program. Uh, Chips told me this in private. Uh, he's a congressman from Texas, a friend of mine. Ted was on the program uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about this, that one of the things that the uh, drug cartels are doing now at the border is taunting our agents. So what they do is they use uh, overhead drones that have uh, night scope 
to see where the Border Patrol is massing. And they send over a pack of uh, trafficking victims and others who want to cross the border near where the Border Patrol is. And so the Border Patrol, of course, all heads in the direction of where this convoy is coming across. Then the drug cartel, when they've seen that the Border Patrol has moved to intercept the convoy, they send over the drug mules in the opposite area where the Border Patrol no longer is. And once they're over, they fire off shots into the air so the Border Patrol knows they've gotten over the border to taunt them. Uh, This is happening. More and more members of Congress have heard these stories. The Border Patrol themselves have talked about these stories, documented the stories. And yet, we're still in a position where the Biden administration doesn't want to do anything about it. Here's Secretary Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. We have to remember that what we do in the Department of Homeland Security is that we enforce the law. We enforce the laws that Congress has passed. And those are laws of accountability as well as laws of humanitarian relief. We have an asylum system in this country when individuals arrive in the United States and make a claim of fear of persecution by reason of their membership in a particular social group. They are able to make a claim for asylum in immigration court. And if their claim does not succeed, they are removed from our country pursuant to the law. If their claim does succeed, they're granted asylum. That's what we do in the Department of Homeland Security. That is what um, the law provides that Congress has passed. It's what the law provides that Congress has passed. Um, The problem here is that they're not really doing anything to fix the real problem down at the border. They're not really doing anything to meaningfully improve the situation. And that situation is being allowed to fester. And as that situation festers, we're seeing the fentanyl overdoses. We're seeing the, the massive human tragedy play out. And this government, under this administration, is negligent in their duties. They're negligent. And you know, Mayorkas is behind the scenes. I know this again from multiple members of Congress. Mayorkas has told multiple friends of mine who are members of Congress that, uh, what do you think is going to happen if I'm not here? What do you think is going to happen if I am not here? That's what he's saying. Essentially, the implication being that if he's not there, they're going to have someone far more progressive than him. I think that's a real problem uh, that uh, Mayorkas has this attitude. The problem is members of Congress concede that he's right on the issue, that if he is not the head of the Border Patrol and not the head of the Department of Homeland Security, then you have a situation where someone far worse is going to come in than him, someone far to the left of him. And that's actually uh, some members of Congress are willing to acknowledge. Now, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. I need to, you know, my, my, my last half hour, I was telling you, I don't like to tell you things that just affirm your view. When I disagree with you, I like to tell you what I think. This may be one of those times. You might need to buckle up for this one and just stay away from the keyboard. 
Don't send me hate mail. Just listen to me. It is quite obvious at this point that the grifters on the right have hit on a new subject line to fundraise off of. That the Biden administration and the FBI and the Department of Justice are arresting conservatives. If you're a conservative, you could get arrested. Now, I know there are some weak-minded people out there who will be perturbed by this, who will get exercised by this, who will become fearful that they themselves are going to be rounded up. Here's the reality. If you were not complicit in a plot to subvert the Electoral College, and you are a conservative, you got nothing to worry about. If you were not whispering in Donald Trump's ears that he needed to impose martial law, you probably have nothing to worry about. The grifters, the hucksters out there, they're looking at the Steve Bannon situation. They're looking at all these people who got their cell phones taken from them. They're looking at the Mike Lindell situation at Hardee's. By the way, Hardee's is, is doing this. Lindell had his cell phone taken away while he was at a Hardee's by FBI agents, allegedly. And Hardee's is making hay out of this, reminding people, yeah, we're here. Come try our biscuits. They do, by the way, have the best biscuits. Their biscuits are better than Chick-fil-A's. But, but, it's a problem. If you are a conservative who thinks that uh, they're rounding up conservatives, you're kind of off on this, and you're believing people who just have a propensity to lie to you to drive your fear in the political process. What they're doing is they actually are investigating what they think is an organized plot to overthrow the government. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I do not believe that uh, the My Pillow guy and Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani could find their way out of a paper bag, let alone plot to overthrow the government. And there are people who say, well, just because they're dumb doesn't mean they couldn't commit a crime and conspiring. No, I don't think they're smart enough to even meet the definition of conspiring to overthrow the government. I mean, Sidney Powell, for God's sakes, is running around telling people the Dominion voter software is like rigged by what? Hugo Chavez's ghost of the Chinese or something? These people, I don't know what happened to them. They used to be smart. Lynn Wood just comes off as an insane man. So does Sidney Powell comes across as an insane woman. Rudy Giuliani, I, I, I don't even know what's going on with that dude. Mike Lindell? Is some sort of crazy person. And to think that they were competent enough not to carry out a plot to overthrow the government, but to plot at all to overthrow the government is a little bit absurd. I increasingly believe, however, while they are not coming to get conservatives, as some would say, I do actually believe they're doing this right now in large part to shape the election. I do. I think the Department of Justice could put all of this on hold until November 9th. The statute of limitations has plenty of time left. They could wait for two months, put it all on hold. 
Now they're collecting evidence. They don't want the destruction of evidence. I see. This is one of the other things that amazes me here on the Mike Lindell stuff. Why didn't you for more than six months, they've been rounding up cell phones and you weren't bright enough to go out and toss your cell phone and get a new one and start over. Really? You weren't. I mean, that's on you, buddy. If you weren't smart enough to go do that, wipe your phone or something. Hey, you know, if you got an iPhone, if you push the side button five times, it locks it out. They can't get into it. Turns off face ID. They can't get into it. You could have done that. I just, I, I'm baffled by it. What it is, is people of a certain generation and age, they don't want to get anything new. They've got it exactly the way they like it. It's set up perfectly for them. They don't need to get it. They don't want new. They don't have new. They don't want to get new. They're afraid they'll forget their passwords. They've got their passwords written in Sharpie on the back of their phone just in case they forget them. And they, they don't want to lose anything. I, I totally get that. My new phone comes tomorrow. I look forward to getting new phones all the time. But I have friends and family members who are, they abhor the idea of upgrading a phone. They want their same phone their entire life, no matter the technology. And I get that. I disagree. I want the latest and greatest. I mean, it's Apple after all. But nonetheless, I understand. But I just don't see... And, and maybe there's something I'm missing. And, of course, on the left, they want all these people in jail yesterday. They're convinced that they inspired, encouraged, planned, and organized, and plotted to have those people go into ca into the Capitol and try to capture members of Congress and hang Mike Pence. They're convinced that there was an organized plot. I just don't see that these people were bright enough to organize anything like this. Were there crimes committed along the way, though, in the process? There could have been. There could have been. I don't mind them looking. But I don't think they should look right now because Donald Trump and Republicans can very easily say this is all designed to throw the election. This is all designed to make it about Trump. This is all designed to be partisan. And what happens here is it does make it look partisan. You may not like that. You may think that's unfair, but it does. For a majority of people, it makes it look like it's motivated by the election, not for the pursuit of justice. And that thereby undermines the integrity and credibility of the election overall. It does. You may not like it, but it does. And therefore, I think that we've got to rethink this whole process and put it on pause. You know, I, I mentioned this yesterday. In Georgia, they're investigating Trump, and, a, and a, a Georgia judge has said you can't interview the governor until after the election. Don't want this to be used politically. Don't want this to be used to hurt the governor, um, and not as because the guy's a Republican protecting the, the governor, but because he's a judge protecting the integrity of the judicial system and the legal system, not letting it be used for a partisan witch hunt. Merrick Garland has no druthers about him. He's perfectly willing to use it as a partisan witch hunt to go after Donald Trump. After all, he's probably a little bitter he didn't get on the Supreme Court. It undermines the whole system. I don't care that they're rounding some of these people up. I got to be honest with you. These are not people I, I particularly think highly of on the right. I think they've done more harm than good. I also think it's deeply troubling that for four years, people said, well, Donald Trump will listen to the best and brightest. And at the end of the day, the best and the brightest left him, and he was forced to listen to the short bus to my pillow factory. 
These are not the people that you want advising a president of the United States. They're a bunch of cranks, crackpots, conspiracy theorists who really couldn't find their way out of a paper bag. And at the end of the day, as crises mounted after the election, they were the ones who Donald Trump was listening to, not listening to the wise and smart people of counsel. And it's caused all the problems here. That's caused the problems. And and if there are ramifications for some of them and they get carted off to jail, I'm kind of fine with taking them out of the dialogue and getting them away from the president of the United States, the former president now. But I don't want you to think they're just randomly rounding up conservatives. They're not. They're rounding up people who are feeding Donald Trump information, trying to convince him to declare martial law. They're rounding up people they believe plotted with organizers of what happened on January 6th. You and I can think that nothing organized happened, that it was an organic protest movement where some rabble rousers at the mob convinced the mob while in the mob to do mobbish things. But the attorney general clearly thinks otherwise. I think he should wait until after the election to pursue his theories. But I don't think it's out of bounds for him after the election to pursue these theories. Because clearly what happened on January 6th was not just a protest. There were some people in the mob who convinced members of the mob to storm the United States Capitol and try to smash down the doors of the Speaker's lobby as members of Congress, Republican and Democrat alike, were running out the backside of it. And one of their own got killed in the process, was shot. And then they wanted to make her the martyr when actually she was on the side of the mob trying to storm into the Capitol. Truth matters here, though. Truth matters. And the truth is, if you weren't bright enough six months after they started seizing cell phones to go get yourself a new cell phone, well, then I really don't have a lot of sympathy for you or for the hucksters and fraudsters and grifters out there screaming that all conservatives are getting rounded up. Nope. Not all of them, just the unsmart ones who decided they needed to try to stop the Electoral College from being counted. Now, told you some of you might not like that, but I'm not here to tell you what you think. I'm here to tell you what I think and tell you what's actually going on. One of the other things that's going on is Eden Pure is running its three-pack deal right now. If you want to clean the air, clear the air, get better air, well, I probably actually today am going to have to use mine in my car. Because I went and played golf yesterday, and I wasn't thinking about it when I got back into the car. At the end of it, I still had the cigar in my hand, and it was still lit and smoking, and my car smells a little cigarishly. So I will have to clean it out later. And the Eden Pure will take care of it because it eliminates odors. It really does. Smoke odors, pet odors, litter box odors, fry odors, food odors, musty odors, you name it. It wipes out odors. I've done it before in my car. I can do it again in my car. You can plug it into a USB cord. You can plug it directly into the wall. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. Put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three of them for less than $200. You'll save $200. You'll get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. Let's see here. I want to go, I've only got about a minute or so here, Bob, but I want to try to squeeze you in. Welcome. Hey, Eric. I was listening to what you're saying, and I fall in that category of resistant to changing my phone only because I'm very busy, and I don't want to have to go through having to learn it and download and upload all the new stuff. That's I fair. was forced to do that. I was forced to do that recently, and I learned. The, the, the service I use, everything's kept on Google Cloud. Uh, so I had to, uh, we had to upload it there to download it to the new phones. 
And I thought, why does the FBI, and I'm going to kind of answer my own question, why did the FBI take his phone for the pillow guy when they could have gotten it off the cloud? And that gets into the Apple lawsuit thing they had going on. But then I thought, well, it creates a bad impression here. They could have taken his phone and ghosted it and given it back because he uses that to run his business. And it creates the impression, for one, the timing of it to send a message to conservatives and also to punish him for doing what he did, whether he really did something wrong or not. I, yeah, there's definitely a punishment there, Bob, um, whether he did something wrong or not. I got to let you leave it at that. I will say this, though. They got to have probable cause to take the phone. Uh, what that probable cause is, we don't know yet. Um, and again, I think they probably think they have probable cause. I just don't really think that they do. I think these people, that they're, they're playing with something they don't really understand.